have a love for artichokes, whether they're char-grilled, marinated on a pizza, in soup or roasted, however they come, um, I really enjoy them. And I know some of you are confused now, and I feel that way when people rave about avocado. I can't stand avocado. But as much as I love to eat artichokes, I hate to cook them. Um, you buy these big, uh, fleshy vegetables, and you need to strip away the outer leaves. Um, you can eat the next layer, but they're a bit stringy. Um, and you really have to strip everything away to get to the heart of the artichoke. Um, and that's where all the goodness and the juiciness and the tastiness is. And so out of this big fruit, there's this uh, heart the size of a conker, probably, uh, that you get to enjoy. But worship is a little bit the same. In order to get to the heart of who we are and who we are worshipping, we need to be stripped back. Brennan Manning wrote a beautiful book called The Furious Longing of God. And it begins like this. I'm Brennan. I'm an alcoholic. How I got there, why I left there, why I went back is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. I'm Brennan, I am Catholic. How I got there, why I left, why I went back, is the story of my life, but it's not the whole story. I'm Brennan, I was a priest, but I'm no longer a priest. I was married, but I am no longer a married man. How I got to those places, why I left those places, is the story of my life too, but not the whole story. I'm Brennan. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. And that is the larger and more important story. Only God, in his fury, knows the whole of it. That stripping back in the presence of God may sound scary. The thought of stripping back raises this fear, doesn't it, of being exposed, being laid vulnerable where those hidden things that we don't want people to know about may become known. But actually, who we are and how God sees us is all that matters and the more important story of our lives. Isaiah, a prophet of the Lord, has time in his presence and receives the vision we read about today. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The Lord present in this place of worship and just the train of his robe filling the temple, filling the place where others were worshipping. Don't you love the visual impact of that? I was thinking of that, um, it reminded me when Prince Charles and Diana got married years ago. And when she arrived at um, the St. Paul's in that horse-driven, uh, horse-drawn carriage, there were photos that captured this fluffy train almost filling that entire carriage. And as she emerged, it was on and on and on. God's robe to be even greater and thicker and more lush um, than it was and heavier. And probably just to get close would be enough. There in that presence, something happens to Isaiah. And this is the verse that follows the reading from today. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, 
and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, in his presence, when it's just me and him, or just you and him, we are stripped back, and we recognize who we are without Jesus. A sinner, unworthy, and against God's greatness, we are aware of our weakness. Now, this doesn't happen to lead us to a place of condemnation and guilt. Because if we remain in that place, well, then we build up a picture of God who is judgmental, ready to pull us down, expose us, and leave us unprotected. And sadly, many people have been taught this is the God we worship. Someone to fear, condemning us to hell at every turn. And quite frankly, many people sadly turn away. Well, that's not the Jesus I've come to know or that's written about in the New Testament. He acts very differently. There, stripped back in his presence under the spotlight of his holiness, there's something beautiful when we realize how sinful we are and how unworthy we are that brings us to a place of authentic worship. In fact, in that place, there's something of a relief to know we can just pour it out, be who we are. There's no pretense, no need to hide, just us. And that's where our worship begins. So an authentic worshiper of the, uh, the authentic worship of an unquenchable worshiper begins with repentance. When we experience the stark contrast of God's holiness and goodness against our sinfulness, we understand we have little to offer. And so we offer what we have, and that's just ourselves. We've got nothing else. And God delights in that. Nothing more, none of our achievements, none of those things we present ourselves to others as being. We're so used to being something for somebody else, aren't we? When we're a parent or a grandparent, a spouse, a work colleague, a friend, a vicar even. But here in that intimate space with just Jesus and us, our innermost thoughts, our sadness, our fears, our disappointments, our desires and our hopes, and the bits we don't want people to know about us. Well, we offer that. And there's such a relief, no pretense, a burden lifted. Just me, not having to explain myself, and also without the fear of being rejected. And it's there that we experience the beauty of God. And we will not be able to hold back our worship when we recognize the gift that is. But he doesn't leave us there in that repentant state with ourselves offered in that simple way, the unquenchable worshiper receives the gift of forgiveness. Isaiah continues in verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now remember, this was in the Old Testament. Sin is gone, and that's what Jesus did for us on the cross when he died, when he rose again and overcame death. 
a free gift to any of us who say, yes, Lord, I'll have it. And as we offer our brokenness and our unworthiness and our sin, it's almost as if God just says, shh, I know, but it's gone now. An unexpected gift for no reason of all except his love for each of us. I always uh, marvel at those people who pick just the right gift. I'm not one of those uh, people, and I find it rather intimidating in terms. But it's rather special when you're on the receiving end of what those people select, because they're able to catch the essence of who you are in how they choose it, and then how they freely give it to you for no deserved reason. Um, just, I received an unexpected gift a little while ago, and it was completely undeserved. It was a beautiful uh, candle. I love candles. Um, and it was thoughtfully chosen. It was extravagant. It was engraved with my name and a, a message. Um, the fragrant was orange blossom because I love orange. Um, and it really touched me that so much thought had uh, gone in to the gift. And I, um, the scent reminds me of the sweet aroma of Jesus. It's just very subtle and not overwhelming. And so I use it in my prayer corner when I pray each day. And this gift left me with a sense of being, being known, surprisingly known uh, by someone, and also being loved for just being me. The unexpected and undeserved gift that God gives us shows us how much we're loved. And there, where we're stripped, placed, stripped back and forgiven, the unquenchable worshiper finds freedom. This is who we are. We're children of God, completely free to be. As a child, we're chosen by name. He knows every hair on our heads, and we are delighted in. G.K. Um, Chesterton says, he refers to the furious love of God. We are called his beloved. And that love seeks us out each day. It's powerful and it's strong. And his desire to be with, the, with, with us is his fury for us. To have time with him and to worship him. If you think about those special relationships in your life, whether um, it be a marriage or a friendship, um, there are many things that point to their love for you, aren't there? Things they do, or maybe things they say, or a card they send, um, or maybe even a gift uh, that they give. But actually, it's in those moments of just being together, in those moments of raw honesty and vulnerability, in the silence, in the tears, and in the words that never need to be said that the love has deepened and known. And then you can stand in a place that says, I am loved. Stripped back in his presence as his robe fills the temple, and the temple being wherever you choose to worship him, wherever you choose to pray, wherever you choose to have time with him. As his robe fills the temple, you will really know his love. And there you will want to spend more time. There you will know his furious longing just for you. And there you will become an unquenchable worshiper. 
Amen. And it's going to have a time of silence uh, right now as we just offer um, what we're feeling and offer and confess our sins to him and just be coming to him with that repentant heart. Let's just do that in a moment's silence. And in that place, with a repentant heart before God, then know that he died on the cross for you, that he loved you that much, that he rose again, and that he forgives you. And with that forgiveness comes healing, with that forgiveness comes freedom, and with that forgiveness you know you are loved.